You're listening to the best of ITW, brought to you by PopGuide and WikiLeaf. The new and deadly menace lurking behind closed doors. Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. On this episode, ITW welcomes musician Ruben Rivera of Manic Hispanic and the Grabbers. Oh, you got it. You should do, Bubs. Can you give one of your hockey intros to Ruben Rivera? Yeah. Of Manic Hispanic? You can assign whatever number you want. Ruben Rivera. Maybe, yeah. What would be a number that Ruben likes? uh, What's his area code? Number 13. Weed. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the moment you've been waiting for, number 13 in the program, number one in your heart, from the band Manic Hispanic, we bring you Ruben Rivera! It was so funny making that. I like you probably to the listener at home. You probably just heard uh, something very similar to that at the beginning of the episode. Oh yeah, but yeah. Marconi and I when we were producing Bubs, it was so hard to pull him out of the hockey voice at first. So good. We're like, you just be yourself, and Bubs can turn that shit on like it's that. Brilliant. I don't know how you're not a famous guy like that, like a famous uh, voiceover voice guy. voice. We were just talking about that too. Yeah, gotta get into yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I. For me, the pinnacle of my voice career has been uh, the Stony Creek Sabres. Yeah. And I was so blessed as you as my agent and uh, Marconi to bring that to me that when you hit the top of your career, it's hard to do other stuff. Like I could go yeah. do a Ford commercial or a wrestling I, thing. But I didn't want to say anything about it, dude, but you peaked out. It's, uh, dude, six, I'm trying to be a real friend. Why don't we talk about Ruben first? You know? 16 year old girls right. hockey team yeah. at, a, at a Stony exactly. Creek. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Ruben mentioned it too. He was like, dude, I remember Bubs was like, he's like, it's cool. You, cool. He's still he's all, on he was podcast, all bummed that Bubs you know? was, he's like, I'm not even going to do this fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. He's like, where's the voice guy? Where's the voice guy? Yeah, come on. But uh, Ruben, uh, it's been my bandmate in Manic Hispanic. Uh, he's a, he's started the band. He's one of the original members. I've been in the band with him for, I don't even know how many years now, 15 years or something. Yeah. And uh, Ruben, just a great guy. He is a, uh, pillar of the fucking SoCal punk rock music scene, the drummer of the Grabbers, uh, one of the fucking best bands to ever come out of Orange County. Uh, and uh, just, uh, he's just got so many fucking amazing stories from the old yeah. punk days, dude. And like, he was just there, you know? Let everybody know who Manic, like what Manic Hispanic is. Manic Hispanic is a band that started in the early 90s and, uh, uh, is kind of like Weird Al meets Cheech and Chong, and it's all punk music. That's a great way to describe it, right? Yeah. You know, and and it's parodies of punk songs with Chicano themes. So like, Offspring's, you know, you got to keep them separated, got to get them immigrated. What was the what was the Fugazi cover you did recently? Oh, because oh, because you're also room. in the, you're also I mean, I ended up becoming a member of the band after loving them my whole life. I, yeah, I was at their yeah. second show ever. Yeah. Um, we did uh, Fugazi's Waiting Room. We parodied it, and it was called Holding Cell. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, you know. Uh, uh, so, uh, 
Ruben, uh, you know, has been in that the whole time, and I've always been a big fan of his, and we became friends, and now we're brothers, you know? And his story is, is pretty he incredible. Really, he really, really opens up on this one. It's pretty Dude, it's, it, it's heavy. I didn't know he was going to get as personal as he did. Yeah. You know, I thought he was just going to come on the show and blow our minds with all these old punk stories, yeah. you know? But uh, he fucking... Uh, He's the one that introduced us to Troy. Introduced me to Troy. Yeah, they're they're originally close. They're friends. Yeah, and uh, I think but, that's kind of the go ahead how we got Troy. It, it, sort of. it, it is because yeah. I, I met her through Ruben, and then he made it happen. Yeah, you know. But uh, 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 he's just an incredible guy, and he got really personal and deep because he's had he's had he's lived through a fucking lot, man. And uh, he opened up about it and just told a very personal story. So, yeah, and uh, since then the. Uh, We've released a new Manic Hispanic record. How, how many records have did you put out during the, the pandemic? Did you put up a record with all of I your put bands? Three records out, yeah. Wow. That's dude. crazy. That's wild, and, huh? And then, and then you got the you got a whole bunch of side projects too. So oh, you, yeah. you you still managed to you, you still managed to stay busy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I definitely yeah. did some shit, man. It, it was Thank God. Oh, I know. But uh yeah, Ruben it continues to just be one of the funniest dudes ever and fucking uh just great and a total fucking weed advocate man like he yeah. really gets behind it you yeah. know and yeah. uh not only as just a enth- cannabis enthusiast you know yeah. he really believes in it so it's, yeah. it was cool it was really cool to talk to him and talk to him about his life is pretty it was a it's an intense it's, it's it, it definitely is. an intense it's, episode it's, uh, man yeah Woo! but it's really really good and it's really sincere and it's yeah. uh, and he's really like humble humble you know, guy. And um, also, thanks again. This is another one that we shot a program. That's not. Yeah, absolutely. Not shout out shout program. Out. Yeah. And uh, me and Bob, we were talking about this last night about how intense Ruben's episode was and uh, and our time was with him. So uh, thanks, Ruben. Yeah. You're thanks. a fucking brother, man. It is, for it life. is really, um, you know, it, it, it was nice. It's nice when that happens because we all like to shit, shit, yeah. you know, make jokes and, and, you know, just fuck around and get high and. It was nice to have a real, real human conversation with somebody yeah. who's as lovely as he is. We went through a lot together, you know, in our band. I joined the band in 2008. The first time I saw them was like in 92 or something like that. And uh, we went through a lot since 2008. We lost two band members, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so, you know, we stopped playing. We started playing. We stopped playing. We started again. And then mm-hmm. we figured it out, you mm-hmm. know. And we're fucking so stoked now. Now we can talk about the guys and laugh mm-hmm. and smile, and, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that's so, nice. So, yeah, the, the songs make us really happy, and I've been through a lot with Ruben. I love you, Ruben. Thanks so much for doing the show, and I know you. everyone is going to love this one. Ruben Rivera. Get some. Orale. Cool. Get some. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Orale. We're here with Ruben Rivera, uh, drummer for Manic Hispanic, and also just, like, you've been in a lot of fucking bands, right? Yes, I have. Like, where, where does this start? Where does this begin? I started out, first of all, right out of high school, I started jamming with some guys from high school who we were kind of, like, doing this little goth thing, and they were called The Prophetess, and then they did some Cleopatra stuff, and, and that was right when the internet was new. Cleopatra Records. Yeah. That's and great we, we got chosen to be on a Sisters of Mercy compilation, and we did uh, First and Last and Always nice. and Alice, and it ended up on an album. So from that, like the guys, I just wanted to play live. I wanted to be in a punk rock band. My brother was an original bass player for Shattered Faith, which wow. was like a hugely influential California 79, band. yeah, there were 79 to 81. I got two of his singles. That you would know Carrie Martinez as the original guitar player yeah. of the U.S. Bombs. From the U.S. Bombs, oh, wow. yeah. yeah. So um, Carrie, Carrie is like, Pretty much like an older brother. I mean, the guy's known me since I was in diapers. You it's know? our uh, guitarist and Manic Hispanic's cousin. Yeah. Wow. Maurice, Ma- yeah. Maurice Torres' cousin. Yeah, yep. exactly. So, um, yeah. So we kind of, uh, 
that's how I kind of got started. Uh, was just you know by by older brothers and stuff like that, and started playing in bands and started doing like ballistics. After that, I, I after like, the prophecies <laughs> happened, I started doing a psychobilly band. And my first tour was with the. Uh, God, what were they called? They were uh, the meters. The meteors from yeah, from yeah, England. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they hadn't been to the states in years. And and that was my first West Coast tour. And we toured in our singer's uh, uncle's like uh, custom Meccano line band. <laughs> it was so rad. It was like four of us. And Your band played at my high school in the video production. Yes. Class after class. Oh my god! I was working there. Yeah. And you didn't know that. I've never told you that. No. No. Or I remember I that. that. Yeah, you I was there. That because that was yeah. when I actually, when I left the public ballistics. access television. Yeah, <laughs> I was working in there trying it, to learn how to use a camera, and it was nice. great because it was, like a, it was like an ROP class. It huh? was an ROP class. <laughs> yeah, ROP was the regional occupation program. Exactly for for Mexicans. For lo- yeah, for Mexicans. <laughs> yeah, pretty much for Mexicans. Like you're a loser, Mexican. Oh, we'll give you some job training. You're not tra- going to college. <laughs> you need a trade. So buddy. awesome, dude. <laughs> so I was one of the kids in the class yeah. filming this guy's band play before I knew him. I've been a fan of his since i was so a teenager dude and that's wow. just so cool, cool huh? is that that after cool. after i was in the ballistics we ended up doing the demos what i did at your school yeah was all grabbers demo work before we even released the album oh so, when you yeah it, it, remember that the live grabbers band? are the band he was in after ballistics that yes. became very popular so in that, was, County. that was that was everywhere right there there's a little single on the wall uh yeah uh anyways the oh, that's right. brand new single <laughs> it's yeah. really cool uh, but yeah, so we started with the grabbers and I remember that that was a fun, I remember we were having so much fun playing that the stage split and I think Maurice's foot like got stuck <laughs> in the middle. Of, do you remember that? It was like the whole stage broke apart yeah. and Maurice's foot is stuck. Like, <laughs> we just stopped playing because we're, we're basically, we're lip syncing basically to the song, but we're still, you know, we're all playing our music, our instruments, but when Maurice fell through, we were dying laughing. I wish That's I had a so blooper great, video. Dude. That's like, amazing. Blooper reel and the out. Grabbers, you guys yeah. played with everyone. We did. We did oh yeah. our Whether first, it was like The Offspring or No Doubt. Yeah, or, our first shows were like doing support for like No Doubt, Offspring, um, Sublime. Did a lot of shows with Sublime. We used to just go out and do road trips with those guys, do shows with No Doubt. I have 25 people at Bakersfield. Nobody fucking there at a tweaker hotel. You met 25 people for Sublime. You know, it's like, it was crazy. It was, it was fun. And, and it was just like, like every scene has its like two year window. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. that was our two year fucking fun. And that was right. just such a fun time to be alive. You guys came around when the smoke was clearing. Cause there was that whole period of time when punk was dead. And yeah. like like Cadillac Tramps and you guys were carrying Orange County on your backs yeah. and keeping the scene alive. Cause it, dude, it was hard. It was. It was hard. Yeah. Like the adolescents weren't playing at that time. A lot of bands had, really? had ceased to exist. If for you could the go time. see SD at the Doll Hut, and, and there's like yeah, you know, social D. forty people there. And yeah, because Punk was, died right before the ninety three ninety four boom. Yeah, it's crazy. And you was, rode that wave, dude. I rode that wave, man. I was like right there. It was so so much fun. I was like a you know, I was a twenty one year old kid, dude. I was like it's handed, amazing. Somebody handed me the keys and, of the kingdom. I was just like, yeah, do it. So <laughs> Manic Hispanic started because the way it was told to me by my elders. <laughs> yeah, you guys are older. Tell the story, Mijo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, uh, it was originally intended to be a Freddie Fender, Fender tribute band. Yes. Freddie Fender is a very famous uh, Mexican singer from Texas, a Tejano singer. And it, it, but he's rad for so many reasons, the right reasons and the wrong reasons too. Just sweaty, <laughs> yeah, right. coked out Mexican dude in like a purple suit, just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, playing guitar. 
and they're going to be a Freddie Fender tribute. But from what I understand, you guys didn't learn enough songs. You're like, oh, let's just play punk songs. What happened was, <laughs> that was the original idea, was actually, they were on the road. It was the Calic Tramps and Joyride were two really Steve Soto great and Steve Soto's Gabby's band. bands. Yeah, and Gabby, Steve Soto had a band with, with Greg and Tisha, and they, and, 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 they Joyride were called, was great. Uh, Joyride's man. great. They were on Doctor Dream. We were all on Doctor Dream uh, records back in the back in the day. So it was us and Cali Tramps, and then the Grabbers, and then Manic Hispanic did some stuff with them. And but the two uh, Johns from Ongo Boingo had Food for Feet on that label too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it was it was crazy. The Joneses did some recording yeah. of those guys. I mean, it was it was a fun label. Meat puppets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people. I mean, so and it, but. But it was the original idea was was born out of a tour where Maurice and those guys were like, hey, you know, we can, we're gonna do a, let's start like a duop band. It'd be fun to do a tribute to to Freddie Fender, and so that's what it was born out of. And then what happened was a few months later, uh, the drummer from Joyride, my friend Sandy, got sick, and they needed to fill in. So they happened to like that Friday before it was they, Joyride had the show booked. They were headlining. Um, it was a Saturday night and Friday afternoon I, I woke up and I was like, I'm going to go to Dr. Dream and hang out to the record label. And cause I was young, I was, you know, single, you know, I was, you know, still living maybe with my girlfriend at the time, but you know, I was like, I needed money. So what we do is we go to the record label and they would give us free shit and we go sell it <laughs> for dope or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and so well, that was kind of how it was. And, you uh, were always the guy we out fun. of the, all of everybody that was smoking weed. Yeah, we'll see. Like that's nobody else was a stoner. It was like not it punk was, rock it, to smoke. It was <laughs> so when I showed up that day, that first practice, or actually that first Friday, I remember Steve. It was Steve Soto and, and Maurice were in the in the in the warehouse, and um, I walk up and like Steve goes, "Hey, dude," he goes, "We need a punk rock band to play for for Joyride because Sandy's sick." Our drummer he goes, um, "He goes, you want to be in a band called Manic Hispanic?" I'm like. Fuck yeah. He goes, what are we doing? He goes, uh, we're just going to do punk rock covers. He goes, you know, every one of those songs. And I go, I'm in. And I, and I left and then I showed up the next day and Maurice and I were just like, it was rad because we were two young kids. Like we're like, like Gabby and Steve, we looked up to those guys and to be in like in a band, we were shitting our pants, but it was, it was great. And it was Warren. like, and Warren, one you know, of the best bass players of, of from the area who was in final oh, conflict man. and a bunch of great bands. So that, those early days were so much fun because those, those guys were our heroes. You know, I know for me, I was just like, wow, I'm like looking up these guys. And then, you know, we became friends and, you know, played shows and, you know, recorded records and things like that. But yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. And what year was that? That was like 93. Yeah, 93 was our was that first year. That's what I can't believe. My first show was in 2008. Wow. That's insane. Really? Yeah. Well, I remember oh, seeing you. Yeah. I remember seeing you. At, you were at the Cal State Fullerton show. I was at your second show ever. I know. Dude, I'm dude, I I'm super fan the whole time. I, I remember that. You I guys, remember grabbers, you. Cadillac tramps talking to you outside. Hey, man. Well, where we took that picture of oh, all dude, of us. In the, our bass player, <laughs> I, see, I see him outside of the show, right, when Cadillac tramps played. I see our, our bass player, who I would have become my bass player, I guess. Or yeah, yeah, I would have been exactly, his, his singer. I see him outside, and I have my poster, and I'm all, hey, dude. I had it rolled up. I'm all, would you sign my poster? And he's like, whatever. And he takes it and walks away. Comes back with it rolled up, hands it to me. Here you go. And I walk away all stoked. And I remember walking <laughs> to the bus stop and I opened it up and it just said, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Punkers, dude. dude. Like real life punkers. I was like, oh my God. 
I, I want to be just like that guy. Dude, Warren was the best. I saw him in the <laughs> Tramps play over at the Mad Hatter. In, yeah. In, or Matt, was it Mad Hatter or Mad Platter? Mad Platter. In, in Riverside. Yeah. And Matt Bell, <laughs> who ended up being, being a band, ended up being the guitar player in the band years later, was there as a 14-year-old kid, and he was hanging out, and he was like, hey, dude, it's like, Hey, uh, will you sign my friend's, you know, Cadillac shirt? He goes, yeah, sure. So Warren takes it. They're like 14-year-old boys. Yeah. And Warren takes the shirt, but he goes, kick me, I'm gay. And he goes, right on, Maddie. He, he just cool. walks away with And then he looks at Maddie, and Matt had this big old beautiful pompadour, and Matt, and he goes, hey, man, he goes, you in a rockabilly? And he goes, yeah, my name. He goes, oh. And he looks up, and he goes, oh, man, he just burned me. <laughs> you know, but such a small world how it how Incredible. we did that but still warren was the best of fucking with people so and signing fucked up shit that's <laughs> amazing so great fast forward through manic yeah you also played in los infernos who had yes. releases with alternative tentacles yes we you spent did. time hanging with jello biafra like oh, I did. that's a whole nother insane chapter like oh dude i got the raddest vhs uh video of, of us playing um this is back in the day when they used to do incredibly strange wrestling in san francisco at the place called the paradise lounge yeah so they would do like a real wrestling show in between the bands and like what they would do is they would hand out fucking bags of tortillas to, to throw out the band <laughs> and and at the wrestlers and it was crazy we played this place and it was like we played and it was like 600 people there and the dwarves were playing after us and and at the time when i was in los infernos matt was a really good friend with with jello briafra so right. he was obviously he's at the show you know he came up and he came up and we did uh he's like yeah i want to do a song they did uh, the animals a cover of the animals crying so jello came out and he put his own words to it and he goes hey let's just try a couple of our tunes so cool so i ended up playing like about like 45 seconds of police track with him yeah and it was so fucking rad and he's like and we saw he's like you know what maybe we should just forget about it and just stick with crying you know because he <laughs> sounds exactly like he sings and he's that's so great but it was it was pretty bitchy it was fun and so we did some time with, with los infernos and and did like uh an, an album on uh alternative tentacles and and that was a lot of fun i was like late 90s and then we kind of took a break and manic really didn't get manic was kind of towards the end because you know everybody was kind of going their own separate ways and you know gabby was was kind of in trouble a lot you know so we kind of took a little break so everybody can get kind of sober really to yeah be with you. and yeah half of manic was a sober band yeah they were. I mean, the Cadillac Tramps were. That was a famously staple. sober because Gabby yeah. was known for getting a lot of people sober. He was. And the Tramps were known for being a sober band and part of the sober movement, which is huge here. Yeah. Which is great because it saved a lot of people from the Orange County punk disease. <laughs> you know, dude. <laughs> I know, but still, it's just so tragic with our, our, uh, you know, Generation X. It's just there's so many people that just. Have, I mean, I, I, on your hand, I just fucking died. You know, in their 40s and 50s. It's crazy. Yeah, it's always been very uh, prevalent here. Opioid addiction in Orange <sighs> County has so always crazy. been huge, dude. Yeah. Huge. Of course. Yeah, it's it's just. It's you just, you never fell down that trap. No, you've I didn't always been really. a cannabis user. Yeah, pretty even much. Even when, when you were ill, like, yeah, can you, you know, talk to us about that? Oh, sure. Yeah, you know, I actually when I first really started using cannabis was when I was like, I my brother had passed away. It was like in 2004 of a drug overdose of a you know basically be a pill overdose and i spent a lot of time like numbing myself like with alcohol and, and i was really depressed and you know i was married at the time so it was a tough time i was a shitty dad and a shitty husband and, and things got kind of rough you know and then it was like i i started seeing a psychiatrist and they were you know 
prescribing me uh, Zoloft. And I started taking these, these psych pills. I'm like, you know, in between me, I'd smoke pot, but after a while, it just got to be so much. I actually quit cold turkey beer. There was a few times I felt I was going to fucking die. So I immediately after that point, when I was starting to trying to fix myself and, you know, get over my brother's death is when I started, you know, using cannabis and, and, and using it to, to medicate myself because it was like, you know, I never felt like I was going to die or like I was, you know, having panic attacks and I never had a panic attack in my life until I, I was on, on psych meds and it freaked the shit out of me. It was scary. Like waking up in the middle of the night thinking, I'm going to fucking die. And it just go, oh, am I having a heart attack? You know, I'm like a yeah. 40 year old guy going, is this it? Yeah. It was scary. It was fucking scary. So after I did, you know, did some time, I researched, I was like, you know, fuck it. I'm not going to do that anymore. And ever since then, you know, I've, it, now since like that happened and, and then I actually was diagnosed with, with uh, kidney cancer. So when I went through, I didn't go through any chemotherapy or anything like that, but I had to go through, uh, you know, a surgery to have part of my kidney removed and, you know, thank goodness they, they took out the, the tumor and I've been cancer free for now eight years. But after that happened, I was like, you know, yeah, this is kind of a wonder drug, you know, and it's, and it's like pretty rad because now it's like, you know, I, uh, I, I, I do a lot of edibles and things like that to help me sleep. And it's, it's just like, a, it's just an amazing wonder drug that people need to really, you know, know about. And I've actually kind of, uh, turned my mom into, uh, onto it. She's 83 years old. And like just a couple of weeks ago, we were, you know, about a month and a half ago, we, we, we gave her some CBD oil and I was telling her, you know, my mom's pretty progressive for an 83 year old woman. You know, she knows her shit. And, and she, I talked to her about it. She goes, you know, well, give me some. So we, we gave her a little bit and she kind of sat on it for a while. And then all of a sudden I talked to her one day and, and she, we called, I was, so have you tried that, you know, the CBD I gave her? She goes, well, she goes, yeah. She goes, I wanted to talk to you about that. She goes, me, I was watching CBS News. And she goes, you know Gail, Oprah's friend? <laughs> she goes, she uses CBD oil. She says, she's not on, you know, on drugs or anything like that, and it helps her. And right then, my mom was like, was into it. I'm like, cool, you know. And so I've been, you know, buying different strains for her. And there's, I, she found one that worked. Fortunately, I lost the jar that the original came in, so I can't remember the brand. But you know, I'm still working on it. But there's others that we've had that are helping my father. That now she's, you know, actually turned on my dad. Which where, is, where did you guys grow up? Did like, did, like, did you grow up around here? I grew up in Fountain Valley. Yeah, I actually was born in Downey, and then the whole family moved from from Norwalk in like '72, and so I was born in Fountain, pretty much raised in Fountain Valley. Did you yeah. have a lot of brothers and sisters? Yeah, I did actually. There was there was six of us. Um, you know, my when we first moved out, there were six of us, and and like the whole backstory with with our family is like another part of uh, like the extension of like my depression was I've lost like all my brothers and sisters, you know, oh it's just, God. it's just me and my older, my younger brother now that are still alive. So my mom had six kids and, you know, it's like every decade of my life, you know, we kind of like buried, I buried an older sibling and my mom, the youngest, uh, no, I'm actually a fifth from, from six. Oh, okay. So my mom was married to a man who passed on this really bad, horrible disease called Marfan syndrome. And he, her husband, her first husband, you know, she had three kids and then her husband died. This is like in the sixties. And that was like unheard of, of being like, you know, a single mom with three kids. 
And then, uh, you know, her husband died. So now she's a single mom, got together with another man and had my oldest brother, Paul. Um, but but they they never married. So he was part of the family as well. He was like another half brother. Then my mom married my dad in, in the 70s, had me and my younger brother. So like in 83 is when my oldest brother, Frank, my mom's first kid, you know, we always knew that their, you know, they would succumb to their their illness because it's like a degenerative like tissue so do they know most of their life that they had this? But yeah, they all knew. Yeah, a lot of they they knew. Yeah, and it was like it, perfect example is like if, if if anybody is a big fan of of the movie Fast Times, which what Stoner isn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, well, Mr. Vargas, uh, he's you know he's their science teacher. He has Marfan syndrome, and that's exactly what my older brother. They all kind of have a, the same physical traits and and look from their disease. They're all tall. They're really they got really lanky hands. And if you want to see exactly what my brother and my older sisters kind of resembled, you you watch Fast Times, and that's Mr. Fargus, and that's the guy. He, he was in that movie Ghost, which yeah. was huge. Uh, yeah, he was a huge Mar fan, uh, you know, advocate. He's still alive, and, wow. and he's you know he's he's living with his disease, but it's uh, it's so it's been pretty devastating, you know. So I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, it's it's you know it's it's tough. So you know. It was crazy. So what happened was in the succession of, of how it happened, my oldest brother died in 83. And then I, my older, oldest sister, Cindy, actually died the day I got married, which was Holy fucking God. crazy. So she, she died. So and then that was pretty tough. And then so we went from like 95 on to probably like the early 2000s. And then, you know, we always knew that my sister, Renee, who was the other one who had the syndrome as well was going to succumb to her, her, you know, her illness. But, you know, my brother at the time in 2004, like got sick. He was working for McDonald Douglas, hurt his back and had been, had been in this program for 10 years, you know, it's 10 years sobriety. And he went off the wagon and, you know, he started, he went from zero to, you know, here to zero and he lost a year and he died, you know, he died on New Year's Eve. It was, it was, Fucked up, and now is when. And that's because of the drugs. Yes, exactly. Because he, yeah, he uh, was the opioids. Yeah, I mean, he was taking fifteen pills at a time, and just, <sighs> you know, it was it was rough. The last time I, Did you, you know, say he broke his back. You no, know, he had injured his back um, over the years. You know, uh, working in small tight places. He was he was an inspector for McDonnell Douglas, so he worked on the military side and worked on the C seventeen. And but yeah, all those years of him, like he was in the army, and so he had. He had uh, done some time in the army and, and was a like a helicopter mecha a mechanic. That's what he did for for McDonald Douglas. And he was basically you know kind of the guy who who turned me on to uh, you know music. Well, at least the music I was playing, <laughs> the punk rock stuff. So, but yeah. So after that, it was kind of rough. I mean, that was like when I, I really when I look back at my life right now, it's like um, that's when it really hit me. It was it was bad. It was a bad time from that time on until. I really started figuring out, you know, I, I should use, you know, cannabis. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, my brother died and I went through this really hard time of years of just like really just drinking a lot, yeah. you know, and yeah. partying. And Like had you used uh, cannabis before that recreationally? And yeah, stuff like yeah, that? recreationally. Yeah, it was always fun, but never, I never have really thought about using it as as a medicine until you know when i when i stopped going to a psychiatrist and and kicked my meds and it was like you know what i this is really helping me you know do this you know get through fucking life without snapping you know there's a lot of people that you know can i could easily have gone out same road that 
everyone, you know, like my brother went and so many of the people that I've, you know, known over the years and, and, you so, know, sorry, sorry if I missed it. What year did you get over the, 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 did you part the, ways with your psychiatrist and get that was probably about 2000, probably about six or seven. Yeah. There was a, cause I did for a few years, you know, I was like where I was trying to figure it out and seeing, felt like I had to go, you know, to the next person, this one and more meds. And then I was just like, I couldn't take it anymore, <laughs> you know, but you know, at the time still I was, you know, I had small kids. So it wasn't like I was, you know, it wasn't, it was just, it was just in a different place, you know? Mm-hmm. And now, you know, since, since then in the last few years, you know, I ended up, you know, unfortunately, you know, after, you know, my brother Paul had passed, you know, we buried my, my sister Renee, who, who was the last one with her disease. And that was like in 2011. And then it's crazy because like, just like two years ago, not even two years ago, uh, my niece, Melanie, who was my oldest sister's daughter, was basically raised by my mom and dad. You know, she was like my mom's, you know, grandchild, but they called, she called her, you know, sure. grandma and my dad, dad. Um, well, she unfortunately, you know, had the same disease, but she was a pretty healthy kid. And, and then from like on, you know, in October of 2017, she was going out to meet some friends by herself and some drunk driver killed her and she was 24 <laughs> years old. It was rough. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah. It was so rough. Heavy, heavy. So yeah. So there's a reason why, you know, cannabis helps me. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, I could be really no easy. You know, I like to drink like a fish, man. And if given the chance, I will fucking do it. I used yeah. to drink with you all the time. I know. <laughs> and it's like you know, it's like man, some of the hangovers from, and it's so bad. You just and the irony is that we're in a band that was primarily a sober band. I know, right? That kind of started. I remember out my first like show. I was so nervous. That rancid show we played. I was so yeah. nervous, and you guys were like. Like and I remember being backstage and I'm all these guys are annoyed with me. You guys are like, chill out. And like <laughs> yeah. I'm so nervous. And I remember Soto, totally sober, looks at me, he's all, you need to fucking have a beer, dude. <laughs> and they all made me I remember they made me drink a beer and I didn't want to drink because I didn't want to fuck up. Like, dude, God, it was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Fast forward though, all these years later. Yeah. You're living a positive life. You yeah, have a new grabber single out. Yeah, I got a new grabber single. <laughs> you know, like out. it's crazy. It's been fun. I'm really uh looking forward to hopefully, you know, we can, you know, recharge, you know, manic and, and we have a record. You know? An unfinished album, which yeah. now that I'm home, I yeah. can start finishing the vocals and Steve Soto some some of his last recordings and yeah. some of Gabby's ideas are on there. Exactly. His last ideas that yeah. we figured out and that's cool. It's yeah. gonna be cool, man. It's it's been something that we- <laughs> It's been something that we've been really wanting to do. I mean, I, I, it was such a hard blow because, you know, we lost Gabby in January 2017. Yeah. And then, like, Steve, a year later. Steve, now you just a little over a year later. Yeah. And that was, that was so hard because we had worked so hard. Like, we were so amped and, and it was so cool because like, we were done. And then we, we felt recharged and like, yeah. we can do this now. Yeah. We're going to do this, man. We're, we're honor back him. on, you know, we're doing this. We're, we're like, you know what? This is for Gabby because we had a struggle. We were like thinking, it's like, well, how should we go about this? You know, you know, are we, we can't do this. We, yeah. We can't do this. Are we going to change the name? What are we going to do? And it's just like, you know, what? basically the light switch went off and, and it was just like, you know what? Well, you know what? Uh, how do you guys all feel about just calling it manic Hispanic and keep going? And she could, because basically one Gabby said, yeah, I guys, I want you guys to keep going. He didn't say 
changed the name of the band. And I think we were afraid because there were so many haters out there. There was people were hating we on were, us, dude. There were it was weird because it was like you know the old guard was just like you know it's like hey it's not going to be the same because now it's like we got new blood. We had we had uh, we had Louis Perez come in as a singer and record some songs with us, and and then we had you know Dreamer. Gilbert. We had Gilbert, who dream, aka Dreamer, aka Dreamer, Dreamer. A little Dreamer came up, and then Ephraim stepped up. You know, for a while there, like when when Gabby was really sick, it was. It, it was, was rough, a, man. It was rough because Ephraim had to really toll big line and and fucking. Gabby bless came to shows did. straight from dialysis. He sometimes. would. He was there dialysis were, three days a week. There were times where Gabby was throwing up on stage in a trash can. And it was scary. I remember just like going, "What the fuck are we doing?" But we're and telling I, him like, "Dude, we don't have to do you this. You don't have to do this." And he, he would, would just do it. I just want to be there, man. And and it was like, you know. And then you really told, uh, you know, God bless you, dude. You fucking really. There were times where. Towards the end, before Gabby passed away, you know, Ephraim had to do those shows by himself, and that was a lot of fucking pressure. pressure dude, yeah. I can only imagine the pressure, and I mean, having to feel and fucking pulled it off like a champ. Like you know, you fucking came through for all of us, and we were so fucking stoked. And then to have Gilbert come in and and Louis come in and and lay down some new stuff. Manic it always was, had three guys in the yeah. front. Uh, Gabby was the the front man. Exactly, I yeah. was the side man, and then. Or yeah. Sonny was just like he would bark a couple songs out and just tell jokes all night. Yeah, pretty much. He was, <laughs> he was comic like we relief. Had a, it was like we had a comedian <laughs> on stage with us. It was like, so funny. Almost like Sinatra style shit. Totally. Pretty it's much. Totally how we were, dude. Yeah. yeah. He he was. I would he, do all the harmonies and like it was cool. He was our he was our little ska dancer. To the Boston. Exactly. He was like our Boston. That was exactly. Sonny's the best. Yeah. Like he was like kind of part of the heart and soul of the band though. Yeah, he was. I remember he came on like we did some shows. People asked about him as like a five six piece, and then we brought him in, and it was a lot of fun. It was it was pretty cool. There's been a a and Manic stayed almost the whole time. The core guys that started it. At the end, it was all the original members still too. But there was a period of time where uh, Ray Rodriguez, Ray Bones, Mm -hmm. like the yeah. One of the earliest Pal pros is, is the singer that I replaced in the band. Yes. And before him, Ace, Steve Acevedo. Yes. yes. He, he was the original yeah. side guy yeah, for Gabby. He was. Yeah, he does a lot. Steve does a lot of engineering on the side. He's, he's pretty Ace is team. a huge sound guy yeah. for everybody. Does the sound. I mean, he's, he's he been in jets yeah. with he's, Lenny Kravitz and stuff. You know. I, I know. The guy, it's, it's like he's had an amazing life. And, and yeah, we've had some singers that have. have People come have come and gone. and gone sometimes because. Every once in a while, spontaneously, somebody in Manic Hispanic would have to go on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they got it was an employment and vacation. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> it was a temporary setback. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to when you were, um, when you decided to get, you know, get rid of the meds and stuff like that. What did you start taking? Like, what, what was your, what was your regimen? Did you just start smoking weed like crazy? No, well, no, no. You know, what what I would do is I would, I would, uh, what Cause, cause did you, and also I want to know, did you wean yourself off the meds or did you, like, was it cold Turkey? Or no, you, I went cold Turkey, which okay. is what I found out. I shouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went in and told my, my psychiatrist, I was like, I told my shrink, I'm like, oh, I stopped him. And he goes, well, did you, wean? I was like, you quit cold Turkey. I'm like, yeah. He goes, Man, he goes, that wasn't smart. You're not supposed to do that. I'm like, well, because you, you were, like can go to like depending was, on what you're taking, you can go into all sorts yeah, of shocks. I was right? I was taking a, like a, like it was like 150 milligrams of Zoloft or something like that. Jeez. And then I like to drink, so it's like even no my psychiatrist bueno. even says he's like, you know, you can have a couple glasses of wine, you know, if you want. I'm like, okay, really that's great. Fuck, did you, good did, advice. Did you feel like you were addicted to them? Uh, like, not so much addicted. It just it wasn't working. It, it just wasn't working. You know, I went. You know, it was like I. The effects it would have, especially you know, if I went out and I was partying with some friends, 
it became really negative, man. I was like, I became this, I'm a happy drunk. I've always been a pretty happy guy. And then when I was on pills and, and, and drinking, I was like, dude, fuck, man. I just was, people were, I was, you know, embarrassed at, you know, how I was acting. I was just a dick and lashing out to people and mm -hmm. just angry, you know, I just became angry. And I was just like, you know, I, I can't do this. You know, I, I, so I stopped, you know, taking the pills but drink it for a while, you know, and then slowly just started figuring out, working out in the cam, you know, having cannabis in my life and, and being able to take that. And now it's just like, it's great. I, 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 we use topicals for so many of the pains that, you know, we, you know, she and I have my girlfriend, Brandy and I, you know, we make some butter and, and, you know, we have the edibles and it helps for, you know, there's times where I can't sleep at night, you know? So, um, you know, Usually, I'll, if it's not like melatonin, I'll take, which is kind of pretty natural. But it's not, you know, I'll take a few rips for sure. But an edible, a good strong edible, will at least knock me out for a good five, six hours, mm -hmm. you know, and I get some good sleep, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of where where I am with, with this. I'm a huge proponent, man. I mean, nowadays I have a son who's sixteen in high school, and and the stuff that that he knows and 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 is aware of with pills and things like that i've had to had a conversation with him going, you know you said something about a week ago that scared the shit out of me about you being strung out on pills or 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 the effects of being on a lot of percocets and a beer i'm like please tell me you're not fucking drinking and doing you know pills and he's like dad you look at me he's like i would never do that you know and i know he's you know He's, he's like every 16-year-old kid. He's, he's experimented. He's smoked pot. I'm like, just like, you know what, dude? Just make it through high school. Do all right. And, you know, I don't get hooked on that shit. Do not. That's so bad. <laughs> you know, psych pills and all that. Just, it just you know, it's, it's just the worst. I mean, that's I know firsthand. I just, you know, like I said, losing my brother to, to a, you know, a, a pill overdose was pretty much the most, you know, yeah. it was the hor such a horrible thing, you know? It really was. It was, and now I think about it, it's like it took me a long time to just, you know, um, you know, process it, accept it, and let it go, and just you, you know, you're like you yeah. must be have crazy PTSD from all that shit, dude. And I'm not, I'm not well, trying to be. Yeah, no, there are times where I'm not saying that there are times where I don't go into those dark places that yeah. I used to go. Yeah, I I have, and I still do. And it, yeah, and it just I'm and sure it, it's healthy. You know, yeah, to, 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 to get through it. You know. But you know what? Nowadays, where is it, if it used to be like maybe two weeks. Where I would just like fucking shut the curtains and drink all day and just sit on the couch. Or now it's just like, you know what? I have a shitty day. Maybe I'll sleep in the day and then I'll wake up like, you know what? It's a choice to wake up every day and have a smile on my face and you know what? And face it and go, you know what? I can do this. You know, this is I'm I'm lucky. It's like, you know, I, I'm I'm lucky to be alive. You know, it's like I, I look at the shit I've had to go through with my family. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's really, it's really changed me now. It's, I'm not getting it. Like I still, I'm learning how to deal with it, but like how to embrace it and still how to enjoy my life every day, each day mm -hmm. as I get older. I, I'm, I really want to be an old man to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like my mom, it's like cr crazy. It's like, I, I think about like the time when my mom started having kids from 1953 and her last child was born in 1973. And, like, the oldest kid only lived to be 50 years old. That's fucking tragic, you know? And it, so mm -hmm. it was a lot, you know, to deal with. It was a lot to deal with for me. So um, I'm happy to be alive and, you know, take each day. Yes. And just, you know what? 
whatever it puts a smile on your face, you know, uh, it's it, cannabis is, is just, you know, a, a good way to go. I think for a lot of people where it's CBD oil, you know, for seizures and things like that, it's just a wonder drug. And I hope that, you know, my, our kids' kids and when they get older can just like can laugh about this prohibition of, of you know, marijuana and just go, man, remember in the day when they couldn't smoke pot or they could and then you know, they would get busted for it. And now it's just like everybody's doing it because it's just there's so many wonderful things that that are, have come out, out of a plant. And I just mm-hmm. think we should explore it more. It would be great. Do you, do you only have the one kid? I have two, actually. My daughter, Ruby. Um, Who she, I ran into yeah. in Arizona. She moved to Arizona. Um, I walk into a, coffee, a restaurant to get some food, and his daughter comes. I'm all, Ruby, what are you doing? And where was I? It was Tucson. <laughs> You're in, so she is. <laughs> yeah, and uh, 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 yeah, it was just totally random. It, but, was, uh, it was funny. They, they ran up running. My daughter uh, moved out there uh, a couple years ago. Um, started going to school out there, and she's you know planted some some roots down there. She got a boyfriend, and she had a rad punk band here before she moved. Yeah, they, they were an all girl punk rock band. They were called um, Something Vaginal. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, they had a, it was so, they were in high school. It was rad. And I I, I actually my, my one of my old phones. I have a video of them doing uh, uh, blood stains. In my garage. Agent Orange. Agent That's Orange. great. And I, I remember I showed Steve. I remember yeah. Steve. I could do, you got to see this. And he was laughing so hard. Soto started. Yeah. Steve Soto started Agent Orange when he was 15. Yeah. Right. Steve is, yeah. Another band from yeah, this from town. Yeah, Whee! exactly that. But it was funny because, you know, Steve and all those guys, you know, with our kids, they just kind of knew, you know, growing up, it's like Steve and watching our kids grow up. And it, it was, it was kind of fun. And he laughed. He thought it was really fucking, that was pretty cool. But. You know, I remember, you know, when my daughter was in high school, she did uh, with her choir. She went out to New York and she 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 uh, went out and sang at like at Carnegie Hall. And, and it was funny because we had, uh, you know, some shows after that. And I remember backstage hanging out and Steve talking to my kids. And, and I remember he was like, we were all, there was a bunch of people back there. And Steve just talked to my daughter. He put Sam, he's like, he goes, this is Ruby's daughter, Ruby. He goes, this girl, man, just sang on Carnegie Hall, dude, for 45 minutes. Isn't that amazing? You know, it's like Steve always went out of his way to make people feel really yeah, he really well, did. You know, the best really ever. You know, and so it's like, you know, my daughter, you know, was 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 really you know shook up when he died and you know and you know it was it was it was rough <laughs> you know it's been yeah. a rough you know couple of years but you know it's you know also one of the things you know that really helped i i actually did uh i did a salvia trip man that really fucking changed my life really like, really yes like two years never done it in my life i thought i was i was i was with this when i first started dating brandy and we were uh staying at, at her place and She's like, you know, try this. And she's like, you ever, you know, done this? I didn't really know what it was about, but I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a long time. I used to eat acid all the time when I was a kid. I was yeah. a total fry head. It was pretty rad. But um, so I figured it was going to be, you know, just like pretty fun, <laughs> you know? So I had no fucking clue. <laughs> I had no clue. <laughs> so so uh, we're, 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 in the, we're in the jacuzzi. We, we had tra- I was doing a lot of acid I, and, when I was a kid. Total fry head. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty rad. <laughs> it was. It was fun. And you're at Troy's house? Uh, yeah. So this is, yeah. So Troy, who's Troy, on her way here to yes. talk to us. Troy Noel. Yes, Troy okay, Noel. Yeah. So, so that's where I, I ended up meeting Brandy was, was, was there was that summer. I met Brandy on Tinder. It turned out she was just living down the street from me. Tinder? And she was living with Troy. So that's how... 
Yeah, she Brandy was hiding in OC, and that's how I met her. But she was when she said, "You want to try it?" I'm like, "Fuck yeah!" So I'm like, "I'm uh, thinking that this is gonna be rad." I took a rip, and it was like it really, it really fucking blew me away, man. I remember being there, and she was in the trip too. I remember she, because what happened was I was in the jacuzzi, and so what happened was I kind of you know went underwater a few times, and and it was weird. The first time when I went underwater, like I remember everything went black. And I remember thinking in my head, oh, my God, I think I'm going to die. I think I'm dying. Yeah, you know what? This isn't so bad. <laughs> and I remember I woke up, and it was because when it came up, it was like all these fucking bricks. It was like just came out. And I was like, wow. And there's Brandy holding me. And then there's this guy that kind of looked like Anderson Cooper. was like, he's like, he's not supposed to be here. He's not supposed to be here. He's not supposed to witness this. And she, and she was, yeah, and she was just like, you know, everything's all right. And it was such a heavy trip, the heaviest 15 minutes of my life. Wow. But that really, honestly, that really softened a lot of edges because I think that was a huge part in letting me let go of all that pain and suffering wow. that I did yeah, for, for did, my did, kids and, yeah. or, you know, I'm from losing my brothers and sisters yeah, and, did, you know, did, did, you must have, you must experience it. And I'm sorry to dig at this, but like some sort of survivor's guilt, you know what I mean? There's, Almost. There's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There is. Yeah, yeah, there is. There are, yeah, there are times where I just, fuck man, that's crazy. Why me? You know, it's like, yeah, but you know, it's, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of rough sometimes, but like I said, Nowadays, it's like where I used to go into those really dark places for weeks at a time. Mm. Now it's just like it's okay to, to you know, to to go through it and have yeah. a shitty day every once in a while and go, you know what? Yeah, this kind of sucks, but like realize it and go, you know what? Hey, I, you know, I got to do this today and then tomorrow I'm going to change it. I got a choice. I got to wake up and do, you know, I got to, you know, be productive and do what's going to you know, you know, is going to make you and your body feel good, you know, and whether it be, you know, going out and taking a surf or going for a walk or yeah. having a smoke, it definitely, it encouraged for me, it's always having a smoke, you know, yeah. because it just levels me out, man. It's, it's great. It, it's, People think it's like, oh, you just, you just it was stoned or you smoke. I'm like, fuck, dude, you're so many functioning people in your life that you don't even realize. It's like, yeah, it's like, you know, like a microdose every day, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm fucking sitting there, you know, bunging on the fucking TV all day. Just, just, no, man, I'm fucking, I want a functioning, working, middle-class working adult. I fucking, it gets me through my day, you know, and, and it saves my life. What's, um, we have to, we have to ask is the point of the show. What was the first time? you ever tried or saw or came into contact with cannabis in your life? Okay, the first time, this is a pretty funny story. The first time was my next-door neighbor, or actually my neighbor who lived on on, on the other side. We, we lived on, grew up on Mount Shelley Street, and then we had a bunch of kids that grew up on Mount Cook Street. It was like, oh, we're at Cook Street, we, we'd hang out. Anyways, one of my best friends, this guy Chad Brown, we grew up surfing, we, I mean, from the time we were five. We were all friends, and... And one day we were, uh, his dad, his dad was a pharmacist. And his, so his dad used to fucking smoke the really good shit. <laughs> so this was the, the summer going into my, my freshman year of high school. What year? Uh, this was 84. Okay. So I graduated in 89. So yeah. So 84, I'm going out of high school. And, uh, they were like my, my best friend, Paul, God rest his soul. My, 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 this is another, was another big blow. My, my best friend, Paul fucking died like several years ago. Jesus this was, Christ, man. and you know, what's crazy. No, I'm serious. This was, it was just 
crazy this because how about Steven? I got really close. Soto, you know, because he had Paul kind of went the same thing. He had he was a really obese guy, big short. You know, he was about you know five you know five four, but he unfortunately had such you know he was like four hundred fifty pounds, couldn't get around. And and when I reached out to try and you know we were going to try and do an intervention with my buddy Paul. Steve was really helpful in that time where it was like, hey, man, he knows. I go, do you mind, Paul, if I exchange numbers? And Paul got really close with Steve. And then, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, Paul ended up uh, uh, passing away too. But but um, now I'm fucking totally stoned and I forgot where I was going. With <laughs> You're talking about your, favorite, your first time smoking weed. So anyways, so anyways, yeah, so Paul was there. Okay, so yeah, so here we are. So we're, we're there, we're hanging out. And I remember uh, Paul goes, we walk into Chad's living room and he goes, hey, dude, he goes, we're going to smoke some pot. And he goes, we're not going to ask. He goes, if you want to smoke with us, you can. He goes, if you don't want to, uh, you know, you don't have to. And it's like, we're not going to razz or anything. I'm like, all right, let's do it. You know, so, you know, at the time that was like the early 80s, you know, shit, dirt, weed, you know. And so it's like Mexican you know, brick pack. Brick, exactly. Yep. You had to do, you know, it's yep. like back then I was like, Oh, you're not probably not gonna get stoned your first time. You have to smoke a lot. So I was like, fuck yeah. But see, this is the deal. Chad's dad was a pharmacist and he smoked the dank back in the time. So oh, we used to always dude. steal his weed. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> so we were there. Bombed. Out. So first time I was 14 and fucking smoked for about a good 20 30 minutes we probably smoked about two joints worth baked out of my brains man and i remember sitting there and so it was just you and paul it was me paul and my friend chad the three of us because we were we we're all latchkey kids you know we we're all latchkey kids from the 80s you know it's like Did mom and dad are Canada? working you know, latchkey kids. Latchkey kids. That's meant that, like, when mm -hmm. when your parent, like, when you basically you get up, you know, you go to school, and then you come home, and your mom and dad don't are both working. It's like kids that were super young kids that were alone, left alone. You know, it's like they give you a key and like, okay, you go home, and you know, mom and dad will be home at five or six. You just take care of yourself, make a PB and J. It was like a whole generation in the states because yeah. when everyone started getting divorced in the eighties, and they called it. Er Everybody latchkey kids if you didn't have parents at home. Because so many kids would just go yeah. home alone, like little kids. Yeah. Go home alone. They had a little chain with a key and they just <laughs> lock the door and you stay in your house. Wait your till mom, mom and dad got home. home. Like yeah. if you were poor or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, or so. broke or lower middle class. Yeah. You know? no, 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 we don't have. Yeah, that's crazy. We don't, well, we like we have latch keys. Yeah, they're yeah, divorced, but not the kids. Of course, of course. But yeah, we're, they, we're just polite enough not to name the poor children. Our, 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 <laughs> yeah, our, our awesome country didn't really take yeah. care of the kids during those years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're divorced? Your family's broken up? We're going to call you a latchkey. Yeah, I know, dude. That's so funny, dude. <laughs> that second the bastard. You're not going to take care of you. Yeah. Latchkey kid. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Bob. Another latchkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool hearing some some candidates. It's yeah. so good. Right. I didn't even think about it. I'm sorry. I no, no, it's great. <laughs> awesome. Man, that's, that's wild. Hey, so... Oh man! I, I before this ends, yeah, yeah, we gotta get it wrapped up. You have to indulge me really quick, yeah, dude, because yeah. I think the the so Ruben tells me this story one day, and it is one of the most legendary punk rock stories I ever heard in my life. And you have to indulge me on this. So years ago, there was this great venue called the Foothill in Long Beach, and uh, our good friend Alex uh, booked shows there. Yes, and he booked a manic Hispanic show, and Gabby, our singer, like he, our leader. He uh, had like this squirt gun and he forgot. He it was, was fucking around with it, but it, it looked was, like a gun, it right? Was, no, what happened was that was right during the, the, the smoking ban. 
and Gabby. Oh, you couldn't smoke indoors. Couldn't yeah. smoke indoors. So it was like early what? It was like late ninety, early two thousands, maybe. Yeah. So Gabby had just gotten out of jail, and he was like, "Fuck the world," and he shows up, and there's this new smoking ban. So Gabby, as a joke, I don't know if he was going to use it as a prop for the show at night, but anyways, he starts smoking during the uh, sound check. And you have to understand the whole band's dressed like gangsters. Yeah, we're all dressed like full-on vodka. Gangsters, And this dude. dude comes up and he goes, hey, man, put out your cigarette. And the guy goes, I'm not going to put my fucking cigarette. I mean, it was, I saw the scuffle. I'm ordering a drink. And I look back and Gabby's like this. And I mean, Gabby, you know, is like, he's, he was a big man. And, and like when he attacked, he was like a fucking rhino, man. I mean, you had to, you know, stop him. <laughs> Good and luck. He did everything to stop him. <laughs> so I remember warning a couple of people, hey, dude, it's, and he was in this guy's face and he pulls up his fucking pants and he's got this fucking cap gun. In his, so he's like, yeah, fuck you, man. It was so a toy they, gun. Yeah, toy gun. But so they looked real in there. It looked in totally days. real. So what happened was, back, calls 911, we start playing our show, maybe <laughs> half, I don't know, halfway into it, and then the lights go out and we start fucking hanging out. Like, what the fuck's going on? And then, like, no sound, everything. Lights go out, and then all of a sudden you see poof, these flashlights, and it's like, Get on the ground! Put your hands up! Put your hands up! And we're like, oh, what the? I'm in the middle of a crowded show. In the middle, and it's Long Beach's finest, and they come around, they surround the fucking front of the stage, and they all have their fucking guns pointed at us wow. on stage. <laughs> Steve Soto with his hands on his head, every, fucking everybody. Like just, guitars ringing out? That's like, an album no, there cover. was no sound. I know! So we're sitting there, and I'm like going, oh, what the and fuck? And what was the audience doing? The, uh, what they pepper sprayed some of the... Op well, I don't know if they pepper sprayed it, but they fucking moved that audience out of that fucking crowd so quick it was it was wow. amazing how quick that they got hey you know, that and that's a rowdy crowd to try and get out oh, of a dude. room man like so, fuck so there yeah i actually you know it's funny because i was watching the video you know i was going through some of my things you know when i first met my girlfriend brandy and we were talking about about that show and in that video I, we were watching it i still have it the vhs there's a point where she comes in and it's like we we're watching it together and she goes, oh, my God, I think I'm going to come in. And all of a sudden, there comes Brandy. This is 20-some years ago, before I even met her. And I start playing a, a drum beat. I, I start I start playing a drum beat. She starts dancing with Gabby. And they're like, yeah, dude. And then she jumps off stage. And then rap, she jumps off stage. That's when the cops come in. That's amazing. And my, my, uh, my cousin is videotaping the whole thing. So not only is he like, he's he, he hears us walk. There's a picture, it's like he's, he's fading out and he's walking backwards and you see it grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's we're, we're all there with our hands on our heads like this. Alex Hernandez from Alex's, uh, uh, Alex from, from Alex's, uh, Alex's bar yeah. was, was there and he was the one that did the show. And that was, that was crazy. It was Before fun. I forget. What was it like? Was like so? Your mom's smoking weed now, or did she? What did she? Did she take weed? What no, 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 no. My mom actually does. Uh, she's been doing a CBD top topical. Oh, the CBD topical. Yeah, so she, was she into weed? Like, would you no, 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 no. She's you know maybe the next, uh, but probably not. To be honest, with you. It's mostly she's inflammation from from arthritis, arthritis and things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. She's been through a lot in her life, so yeah, she's she's uh she she does all right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to be helping her. So. Dude, that's amazing. That's amazing, man. Wow. So. There's a lot of information I had to process here. There's I know, right? That was a crazy wild ride, huh? Yeah, that was a wild oh, ride. It's funny. It's, oh, it's not funny. It's just I have been through a lot of shit, you know? And, yeah. You know, I, I kind of, when I think about my mom, you know, it's like, you know, she's she's a pretty brave woman. You know, she gets up every morning and, and, 
and puts a smile on her face and then just goes, you know, fuck, I got to do this. I'm still alive. Yeah. And does her best, you know? And, and if anything, I, I can learn from, I can at least draw from that strength and just go, you know, I'm proud of her. She's, she's a strong ass woman, man. I, yeah. there's, you know, when, when, you know, God forbid it's a long time from now, but you know, when I bury my mom, it's going to be a rough day. She's, yeah, she's a strong ass motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, on Dude, a positive note, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, sure. you peep, you've got, Music, music, music coming up, and grabbers are doing stuff. Man's gonna do stuff. People, I know, I already know. People can find you on Instagram at the Manic One. Yes, I am the Manic One, one. Uh, and you know you can reach my Instagram that way if, if you want. Uh, just mostly posting pictures of of me and hanging out with my girlfriend Brandy, and <laughs> and you know just mundane fun stuff that we like to do. It's nothing really really rad, you know. Grabbers, you know, same thing. We we do a lot of. You know, we, we just got a new record coming out with our, our seven inch. We wrote some songs about a year and a half ago and, and put a seven inch out and recorded three songs. And Amazing, man. So it's been good. It's dude, been your, po your positivity is infectious and it's, it's, really, <laughs> it's, it's, it's remarkable after hearing your story, dude. Thank you so much for well, coming thanks, on the show. Man. I really you appreciate got... you guys giving me the opportunity. I really didn't think it was really kind of, you know, I was kind of blown away to be, you know, you guys talked to some pretty rad people. So I'm really honored to be here. Thank oh, you. Dude. Thank you, dude. Man, and uh, Ruben, thanks for telling us how you got into the weeds, man. <laughs> thanks, I Ruben. Love I love you, you, brother. Thank you so much. I love you. That Ephraim. was awesome. Every day. Thank <laughs> you. Right on. That was rad, dude. Cool. This episode was presented by Pot Guide and WikiLeaf. Please follow ITW on Twitter and Instagram at Get Into The Weeds. You can follow Ben Rispin at Ben Rispin. You can follow Ephraim Martinez Schulz at F by Stereo. And me, Bubba Nicholson at Bubba Nicholson. ITW's theme music was written by Jacob Bergsma of My Son the Hurricane. Visit them at www.msthofficial.com. Special thanks to our friends at Puff Digital, Program Skate and Sound, and the Slide Bar in Fullerton, Orange County. Sound engineering provided by Roman Marconi at Halo Studios Hamilton. ITW was created by Ben Rispin and is produced by Master Volume.